following lecture was produced by the Gnostic Academy of Chicago, a nonprofit organization, and is one of many available for podcast, download, and transcription. You can visit chicagonosis.org to find courses, articles, scriptures, commentaries, and other valuable resources that address a wide variety of spiritual subjects, interests, and needs. Through the generous support of listeners like you, the Gnostic Academy of Chicago has produced online courses, lectures, and articles freely available worldwide. If you have benefited from this knowledge, help humanity through making a tax-deductible donation at chicagonosis.org. If you are interested in attending the Gnostic Academy of Chicago in person, you may view our online class schedule and freely register at meetup.com slash chicagonosis. The Chicagoland Gnostic Academy provides humanity with the necessary means for transforming suffering and acquiring personal knowledge of the divine. With this purpose in mind, we now begin the lecture. May all beings be happy. This opera is about the path of the self-realization of the being. Puccini unveiled in his work the intimate process and development of the soul. How to unify the consciousness with Christ and the Divine Mother. Self-realization is the complete integration of the soul with the being to manifest the complete potential of our tree of life. We seek to realize the self, the Divine Mother, and all the parts of our being, while our divinity, our being, seeks to realize us. As stated by Sabael and Vior in Teron Kabbalah, our own particular monad, self, being, needs us and we need it. Once, while speaking with my monad, my monad told me, I am self-realizing thee. What I am doing, I am doing for thee. Otherwise, why are we living? The monad wants to realize the self, and that is why we are here. This is our objective. The Divine Mother Kundalini, the Divine Feminine, the Heavenly Princess Turandot, will only marry a man of noble blood. To possess noble blood, is to be an initiate to successfully complete the necessary trials ordeals and rites of purification this is to be worthy to achieve the goal self-realization the resurrection of the being within the soul act 1 demonstrated the minor mysteries the probationary path 
The minor mysteries exist to test the disciple, to see whether one will qualify for entering the major mysteries. Any disciple must be tested to see if he or she is serious about the path of initiation. According to Samael and Vior, there are nine degrees or initiations of minor mysteries that the student must pass before qualifying for the major mysteries or initiations of fire, the awakening and development of the Kundalini. The minor mysteries involve ordeals and mystical experiences. The disciple in the astral world witnesses him or herself entering the interior of the earth. Symbolically, we must face our own psychological impurities, our own filthiness and degeneration. This is not so that we can become morbid people, filled with self-flagellation and shame. The sole intention of introspection, of meditation, is to acquire change. We must make an inner account of ourselves. What defects do we possess in abundance? And what virtues do we lack? If we do not confront ourselves, if we are unwilling to take responsibility and ownership of our mistakes, then we will not enter the major mysteries. People who fail in the probationary path eventually leave Gnosis simply because they see no benefit from the practices. They cannot confront the reality of their mind and the psychological causes of their suffering. The student must be tested and prepared for awakening and raising the kundalini in a marriage. The serpentine fire rises within the spinal canals of the lower five bodies of the tree of life. Malkut, the physical body. Yesod, the vital body. Hod, the astral body. Netzach, the mental body. And Tifereth, the causal body. Raising and developing the Kundalini within the spine of each body constitutes one initiation of major mysteries. The major mysteries, or five initiations of fire, are accomplished through the perfect matrimony. The union of two pure souls, one who loves more and the other who loves better. Single and married people can advance through the minor mysteries, but only married couples can awaken the sacred fire of Kundalini and enter the major mysteries or mysteries of the fire. Caliph, the exiled prince of Tartary, conquered certain trials and temptations in Act 1. He was tested in his resolve and pursuit of initiation. Every student who enters Gnosis is on probation. All must walk the probationary path to complete the minor mysteries. Before the law of divinity and karma, we are given the opportunity to prove ourselves in the minor mysteries, since all of us 
without exception, are delinquents, demons, criminals before God. Anyone who has the ego alive is an infidel, an unbeliever, a stranger to the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't matter what we believe. Because if we possess anger, lust, desire, it means we are not perfect, but are demonic beings. The purpose of these studies is to know the heavens of the tree of life. To no longer be an outsider, an inhabitant of the abyss. This can only occur when we remove the garbage of the psyche, our psychological defects. For as Jesus taught us in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Caliph undergoes the minor mysteries in his confrontations with three enigmatic figures, Ping, Peng, and Pong. As I stated, the mystery of their significance is found in the vowels of their names. E, A, O. Ping, Peng, and Pong represent Diablo, the devil, the ego. These three individuals help Turandó to govern the lunar multitudes. Who are the lunar multitudes? The people of Peking who worship the moon, mechanicity, and the second death. Similarly, the commoners also clamored and confronted the prince, seeking to dissuade him from ringing the fatal gong three times to awaken the divine princess, Turandó. Ringing the gong three times symbolizes the work in a matrimony. Remember that the kundalini is coiled three and a half times asleep within the chakra muladhara until the couple awakens the serpent, the serpent of fire, through sexual magic. The number three also reminds us of the three primary forces. Holy affirmation, man. Holy negation, woman. And holy conciliation, sexual union. Once that serpent is awakened, it begins its journey up the 33 vertebrae of the spine, the 33 vertebrae of the spinal column, the 33 canyons or degrees of fear masonry. The work of raising the kundalini up each vertebra is the path of the major mysteries, which are symbolized by Turandot's three riddles. These three riddles synthesize and contain within themselves the mysteries of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Kabbalah and alchemy, which we will explain in detail today. The counselors of the palace, Ping, Pang, and Pong, announced the call of the city's fatal gong. The palace and the streets are stirred in uproar because a new disciple has awakened the serpentine fire, Kundalini, the divine princess, Turandó, within his spinal column. 
The Prince Caliph has entered the major mysteries. A rare and dangerous occurrence. Many of those who challenge love, Bina, the Holy Spirit, but fail to eliminate the ego. The trials of the 13th Arcanum, the work against the disintegration of the animal eye, is tremendously difficult, precisely due to the nature of the mind and temptation. In relation to this topic, Ping, Pang, and Pong represent Diablo, E-A-O, the power of Lucifer. This name scandalizes the religious fanatics who do not understand esotericism, who have been educated poorly. Yet when we comprehend some etymology and have direct experiences from meditation, the beauty of Lucifer's role in the cosmic drama becomes clear. Lucifer is not just some person outside of us, but something internal and personal for each one of us. Each one of us has his own Lucifer, who is part of our being. Lucifer comes from the Latin term lucis, light, and fair, ferro, to bear, carry, support, lift, hold, take up. These terms literally join to form bearer of light. But what is that light? The Christic energy. Lucifer in heaven is divine, is Christ. Lucifer is the power that gives sexual impulse or longing, which is natural, divine. Without sexual power, without the creative fire, we cannot experience divine love, the beauty of the soul, or the perfect matrimony. The energies of Lucifer are beyond good and evil, but are channeled and conditioned based on our level of being. The problem is not the light, but when it is channeled through the ego, when the light becomes corrupted due to our own desires, defects, and impurities, that light constitutes Diablo, the devil. Lucifer is our own light that we have polluted within our psyche due to our mistaken actions. Because we created the ego, we transformed Lucifer into a devil, into Diablo. Lucifer is properly named Christus Lucifer, the light of Christ, because this light is part of our being, but who is mixed with desire, with egotism, due to our own mistakes. Lucifer is the part of our being who provides tests and temptations in this physical world and in dreams. But why? Why would part of our being do this? His purpose in the path of self-realization is to provide us with necessary training and experiences. Without temptation, we could not develop wisdom. Does an inexperienced soldier who trains inconsistently 
equal a seasoned warrior who trains his hardest every day. The same principle applies to meditation and the development of the soul. People who never face great adversities, painful tragedies, can never really know their true character and develop qualities like heroism, veracity, and strength. Temptation is fire. Triumph over temptation is light. Lucifer gives us the fires and pressure of adversity so that we can perceive our own defects. Without terrible ordeals, we cannot see our most secret faults. Without temptation, we cannot confront ourselves and change. Therefore, Lucifer, portrayed through ping, pang, and pong, Diablo, E-A-O, plays an essential function in this opera. At the beginning of Act 2, Ping, Pang, and Pong are organizing preparations for either a wedding or a funeral. This indicates to us that Lucifer is very active in the probationary path, as well as the trials of the 13th Arcanum, the major mysteries. They are preparing for the outcome of the funereal trials, the three riddles that Caliph must answer before Turandot and the palace. Everyone is agitated because no one knows what the result will be. Will Caliph become a master of major mysteries or will he fail and enter devolution within the abyss? Such a struggle is beautifully depicted in Friedrich Nietzsche's book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. The following excerpt comes from On the Tree of the Mountainside or the tree of life that stands upon the mountain of initiation. Zarathustra here gives some advice to a young boy who longs for the heights, who wants to enter the major mysteries. You are not yet free. You still search for freedom. You were warned from your search and overawake. You aspire to the free heights. Your soul thirsts for the stars. For Urania, the Divine Mother Nut, the cosmic space in the, in the Egyptian mysteries. But your wicked instincts, too, thirst for freedom. Your wild dogs want freedom. They bark with joy in their cellar when your spirit plans to open all prisons. This indicates that when you're raising the Kundalini up the mountain of your spine, within your individual tree of life, the forces of good and evil will enter conflict, battle. This is demonstrated by the writings of Samael and Vior. He indicates that we must wage very terrible battles against the ego as we raise the kundalini in each of the 33 vertebrae of the spine. The following is from Igneous Rose. Within the sexual mattress of our agornic within the sexual mattress of our organic laboratory, the explosions of passionate fire combine certain ethereal, astral, mental, volative, conscious, and divine arcana. This occurs to elaborate certain igneous elements 
whose substantial principles belong to the innermost, with the ardent fire of the erotic thirst. The woman accumulates a very large quantity of elemental fire from nature while in the state of sexual excitement. And when her fire is combined with the erotic magnetism of her husband, then it engenders certain cosmic powers whose tremendous explosions open the spinal chambers. The boiling, passionate fires of man and woman, when mutually and erotically combined, create truly ardent tempests that disturb the atmosphere and cause the tenebrous ones, who are the escorts of each chamber, to go mad. These submerged entities attack the intrepid ones by defending the fires, whose synthetic and scientific principles are enclosed in the 33 internal chambers of our spinal column. These tenebrous ones defend their rights, and for this reason they qualify us as thieves of powers. This is the mystery of Baphomet, Lucifer, Diablo, the rose of virtue, conscious principles, elaborate his perfume with the clay of the earth. The slithering worm does not like the gardener who removes its clay. Our disciples will now comprehend on what basis do the tenebrous ones qualify the sexual alchemists as thieves? From Igneous Rose, the chapter of the woman. The mysteries of Lucifer, Arcanum 15, passion, is the work of eliminating the ego within the sexual act by removing the impurities of the mind. We whiten the darkness of the devil and create light. Temptation is fire. Triumph over temptation is light. It's interesting that 1 plus 5 equals 6. Arcanum 6, indecision, the lovers. The same Kabbalistic addition exists with the 33 vertebrae of the spine. 3 plus 3 equals 6. And Arcanum 6, the disciple finds himself caught between the virgin on his right, the divine mother Turin Do, and the whore on his left, Santa Maria, the queen of fornication and the abyss. This struggle exists within the spinal column of any initiate practicing sexual alchemy. The path of the right is a wedding. The path of the left is a funeral. The disciple will either ascend the tree of life victoriously or will shamefully enter the submerged devolution of the infernal worlds. If we fail to eliminate the ego, then hell will do it for us. If the Prince Caliph succeeds in the ordeals, he will die in the ego and be born as a soul. Which is why Samael and Vior indicated in the perfect matrimony the path of life is formed by the hoof prints of the horse of death. Pang prepares for a wedding with red lanterns. Pong prepares for a funeral with white lanterns. This is interesting because colors have a very profound significance within esotericism. The three primary colors, blue, yellow, and red, 
refer to the three primary forces, Keter, the Father, Chokmah, the Son, and Binah, the Holy Spirit. Holy affirmation, the Father, blue. Holy negation, the Son, yellow. And holy conciliation, the Holy Spirit, red. The colors red, white, and black were typically associated with coral incense used by the Aztecs. In their offerings to the Holy Spirit, Tlaloc, the god of rain. The waters relate to Binah, the divine princess Shekinah, which is why the Genesiatic waters of transmutation are deeply related to the dramas of this opera. Likewise, the colors red, white, and black depict the purity of the creative sexual waters within the disciple. We become purified and developed as a consciousness based on the purity of our sexual energy. In the beginning, our sexual energies are black, filthy, darkened to clairvoyant sight. Through those spiritual work and the death of the ego, those energies become white, cleansed, pure, chaste. Afterward, through the awakening of the sacred fire, the energies become red with the serpent kundalini. These gradations of development occur in relation to the initiations of fire upon the tree of life. Therefore, ping, pang, and pong prepare for a wedding and a funeral because the forces of life and death are two aspects of the same thing. Bina amongst the Hindus is Shiva Shakti, the giver and taker of life, creator-destroyer. Shiva Shakti, the sexual power of the Holy Spirit, can create or take life. When the seminal energy is conserved and transformed, it gives birth to the soul. But when the sexual energy is expelled, we experience spiritual death, the loss of the soul. Bina can give birth to the soul and provide death to the ego. This is the solar path. Or, Bina can give birth to the ego and produce the death of the soul within hell. Such as the devolving lunar path of the black magicians. These two ways are described in detail in our lecture on Akarnam 8. Ping laments and proclaims the state of China since the terrible reign of Turandot. Her kingdom is saturated with the blood of princes. This is interesting because people think of Lucifer as some evil figure. Puccini, however, portrays Lucifer with a lot of wisdom and understanding. The truth is that Lucifer provides ordeals with the express purpose of helping us develop light. Lucifer, therefore, does not work with Turandot so that we can fail. 
but so that we can succeed. This is evidenced by the great displeasure Ping, Pang, and Pong feel regarding the countless executions in Turndo's kingdom. But what is a prince or malek in esotericism? A, a master or warrior of Tifereth. A master or warrior of Tifereth. Someone who created the solar bodies in the perfect matrimony. Such persons possess the solar astral, solar mental, and solar causal bodies. Such beings are called true human beings because a true human being possesses these three vehicles and has the fire of Kundalini present within each one of them. Such princes in the past once raised the Kundalini within the lower five sephirah of the tree of life and became what are known as twice born. To be born again is a matter of sexual alchemy, of using the creative energies to give birth to the solar bodies. There exist five initiations or fire or major mysteries. Through the first initiation of fire, such initiates raise the kundalini within the spine of the physical body. Through the second initiation of fire, they raise the kundalini within the spine of the vital body. Through the third initiation of fire, they raise the kundalini within their lunar astral phantom and created the solar astral body. Through the fourth initiation of fire, they raise the kundalini within the spine of their lunar mental specter and created a solar mental body. And through the fifth initiation of fire, they raised the kundalini within the spine of the essence and gave birth to the solar causal body. Many princes or masters were trying to answer Turndo's three riddles, a symbol of working in the initiations of fire to successfully answer the three riddles indicates that one creates the three solar bodies of Gnosticism, Christ astral, Christ mind, and Christ will. It's interesting, therefore, that Ping announces how many princes, or Malachim, were trying to marry Turandot by answering the three riddles. Why would a prince who has solar bodies, try to enter the major mysteries again. This indicates that such Malachim were fallen, fallen initiates, or fallen bodhisattvas. How does one fall? Through sex, through being tempted by the sexual energy, Lucifer. By engaging in fornication, after having achieved initiation. This is very serious, very grave, because these initiates betrayed the light. What is a bodhisattva? A master of Tifereth who incarnates Christ. Bodhi literally means wisdom, light. And sattva signifies essence or incarnation of. A bodhisattva is an incarnation of wisdom, 
Chokmah, in Kabbalah, Christ. Just because a person incarnates Christ and completes the work doesn't mean that one is safe from falling, from making mistakes. Many bodhisattvas, many malakim or masters, fell because they engaged in the sexual act when it was forbidden to them. And since they could not control Lucifer, the sexual impulse. This is what happened with Count Zanoni. When bodhisattvas fall, they lose the light. Christ withdraws from them. According to Samael and Vior, such beings are truly worse than demons. But why? They had great responsibility and betrayed their commitment to Christ. Demons are at least consistent. But a fallen bodhisattva betrayed the Lord. Therefore, who can trust them? It's important to note that we should not make the effort to find such people in the Gnostic movement. Many students become fascinated with this subject and want to find and follow fallen bodhisattvas. This is very mistaken because, as we said, fallen bodhisattvas are worse than demons. Why should we take advice from someone who betrayed Christ? We should only be concerned with the teachings and with our own practice. That is all. It's true that there are many fallen initiates within the Gnostic movement who are trying to rise again. This is commendable. However, such people, when discovering their past, should not divulge their history to the public. It's quite horrendous and ironic to admit that one is a fallen prince, a fallen Malek. There's nothing glorious about it. Nothing to be proud about. To be proud of for having fallen is to be proud of having murdered one's God. As you can see, it's quite atrocious, monstrous, to feel proud of such a fact. We have a very special Sanskrit term to describe such not-so-special beings. We call fallen bodhisattvas and initiates by the term hasnamusin. A hasnamus, which is singular for hasnamusin, signifies a being who may have solar bodies and development in heaven, but also has development in the ego. Such a being has a double center of gravity, one that is divine within the spirit, but another that is diabolic within the ego. Hasnamusin are beings with a split personality. Therefore, they are very dangerous because in any moment, their diabolic center of gravity may manifest. If we look at some etymology of the original Sanskrit, we can unpack many interesting levels of meaning. Ha, a Sanskrit particle expressing sorrow, dejection, pain. Asna, voracious, eating, consuming, or a stone. Moose, mouse, thief. A hasna moose is a thief 
A mouse who voraciously devours or consumes a stone with sorrow, with pain. What is that stone? Yesod, the sexual energy. In heaven, the sexual stone provides bliss, the foundation of our spiritual temple. But in hell, provides damnation and suffering. In hell, one is crushed by the destructive powers of Yesod, by the stone, through the lunar path of devolution. A mouse is a symbol of the ego. This can also refer to a thief, because the ego steals the energies of God, uses it for corruption, to voraciously and passionately consume, indulge in, or spend the sexual energy for lustful purposes, produces pain. Therefore, it happens in this opera that many princes, men of noble blood, fallen human beings, Hasna Musin, wanted to return to Turandot, the Divine Mother, again. They seek to recapitulate initiation, to raise the sacred fire of Kundalini once again within their solar bodies. Through fornication, those sexual fires were extinguished and must be rekindled once again. Therefore, Ping announces that many fallen princes, Hasna Musin, have been killed during the terrible reign of Turundo. In other words, the Divine Mother has slain many initiates to the second death. Why do people fail in these studies? People do not comprehend and eliminate their own ego. Or, even worse, disciples decide not to rise once finding the path of spiritual initiation again. Therefore, as evidenced by the executed princes in this opera, they fail the ordeals of the 13th Arcanum and enter devolution. They fail the ordeals of the 13th Arcanum and enter devolution. We also spoke about the four directions. The North is Chesed, the right pillar of the tree of life. The South relates to the left pillar of the tree of life. The West is Malkut, where the sun sets and vanishes into the darkness of Klipot, the hell realms. The sun rises in Tifereth, the Middle East, because Tifereth is the middle of the tree of life and is astrologically associated with the solar logos, with Christ. It's easy to see that Tifereth is the center of the pillar of equilibrium and receives the forces of the top trinity, the Logoic triangle above, the latter allegorizing the Far East, the heavenly city of China. The sun rises in Tifereth and sets in Malkut. The forces of Christ, the top trinity, enter Tifereth, the heart, and descend into hell with the purpose of illuminating the abyss of the subconsciousness, the unconsciousness, and the infraconsciousness. When the ego, the abyss, has been purified, when the disciple fulfills the Buddhist annihilation, 
the soul can rise again with the Christic force. This is the dawn of resurrection, perfection within the Far East. The four directions bear profound Kabbalistic principles. In the north, we have colder regions, which represent for us how the forces of the spirit relate to the mountain of initiation, to the cold, a symbol of chastity. Therefore, Friedrich Nietzsche often spoke about the mountains, snow, and purity of the spirit in relation to the north. The north is Tartary, the northern tract of Central Asia, which is mentioned often in this opera. Then we have the south, relating to the left pillar of the tree of life, which is significant because the southern regions of our globe are hotter, obviously. We go south of the equator, we find more tropical regions. The southern region relates to heat, to fire, which is profound. The left pillar originates passion, sexual power, creative impulse, sexual craving. It's also the reason why the left pillar can take one to Bina, Turundo, the Divine Mother, or into the infernal worlds. The left pillar is the left serpent, Ida, awakened in us through sexual heat, through a matrimony. The equator relates to the middle pillar of the tree of life. Just as the equator is the center of balance for the planet, likewise the pillar of equilibrium balances mercy and justice, the pillar of the right and the pillar of the left in the Kabbalah. Tifereth, the Prince Caliph, has the duty of balancing all the forces of the tree of life within himself because he is the center of the pillar of equilibrium. Human willpower or human soul is responsible for balancing everything in the spiritual work. We find in this opera that the prince makes the entire city of Peking revolve around him. Or as Friedrich Nietzsche stated in Thus Spoke Zarathustra, can you compel the very stars to revolve around you? Through our willpower, we learn to raise the forces of the sun, S-U-N, as well as the sun, S-O-N, the Christ, up our spine to reach the far east. According to Ping, China once slept with the peace of 70,000 centuries. But again, what is China in the Far East, according to Kabbalah? The city of peace is known as Jerusalem, Jerusalem in Hebrew, Jerusalem in Arabic. That heavenly city is the top trinity of the tree of life. Keter, Chokmah, Binah, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. China, the heavenly city, the Far East, the Logoic Triangle, was once at peace for 70,000 centuries, which is not a literal number, but a symbol. To interpret these mysteries, we must refer to the eternal tarot of alchemy and Kabbalah, 
since numbers play a symbolic function within opera. Turandot was otherwise known as Shekinah, the feminine aspect of Binah, the Holy Spirit. She is the mother of our innermost spirit. She is the mother of the Torah, the mother of the book cited in the Quran, as we mentioned in our Kanam too. It's also interesting that the name Turandot sounds like Tarot, the Torah, the law. Samael and Vior even mentions that the Divine Mother is the terror of love and law. Therefore, to comprehend the mysteries of the Spirit, we must utilize the sacred Arcana. Arcanum 7 is the seventh card of the Tarot, Triumph. The conquering spirit, Chesed, drives the chariot of war, the solar bodies, in this card. He is our innermost God, who conquers the lower seven Sephiroth of the tree of life. Arcanum 7 indicates how the spirit achieves wars and victories in his battles against the ego, so that peace may reign within the heavenly kingdom. He accomplishes this war through his human soul, Tifereth. The Kabbalists often refer to the Sephirah Tifereth as Israel, which is an acrostic, Isis, Ra, El. Isis is the Divine Mother. Ra is the Solar Logos, the Christ. And El is the Spirit, Chesed. Israel is the esoteric name related to the fifth Sephirah from the bottom to the middle of the tree of life. Tifereth is the Prince Caliph. Remember that in Kabbalah, Israel is in love with Shekinah, the Holy Spirit. Prince Caliph wants to marry Turandal. The same meaning is here. This opera symbolizes how the human soul wants to die to the ego and achieve self-realization. By raising the sacred fire of the lower seven bodies or sephiroth of the tree of life, the initiate achieves triumph, or kind of seven. Once the ego is annihilated, the human soul can prepare for the process of resurrection, to be married or absorbed within the eighth sephiroth of the tree of life, Binah. This process is beautifully depicted in Act 3 of this opera. It's interesting that Ping, Pang, and Pong announced that six men were slain in the year of the mouse, eight in the year of the dog, and 13 in the terrible year of the tiger, according to Chinese astrology. All of this deserves a profound Kabbalistic analysis. Arcanum 6 is indecision, the work of the human soul to fight against the whore of the mind. The whore is egotistical desire within the intellect, heart, and sex of the disciple. When you place the number 6 within each of the three brains, you form the diabolic number 666, the ego. 6 plus 6 plus 6 equals 18, Arcanum 18, Twilight. 
Twilight is the card associated with the terrible struggle between the forces of light and darkness, which especially occurs before the dawn of resurrection in Act 3. With Arcanum 6, the disciple must observe, meditate, and comprehend desire within the intellectual, emotional, and motor instinctive sexual brains. Remember that six princes died in the year of the mouse. The word hasnamus contains the word moose or mouse in Sanskrit. Moose can also mean thief. So six initiates died in the year of the thief because the ego is the thief. It squanders and abuses the energies of God. While the ego is a thief, we likewise must become thieves of the spirit, stealing the energies of sex for the purposes of divinity. Such is the mystery of Baphomet, Arcanum 15, Passion. Kabbalistically, 1 plus 5 equals 6. Again, since we steal fire from the devil through the Arcanum of the the lovers. Also of note is the fact that the king of Tartary was also slain. He had a bow six cubits long. Another reference to Arcanum 6. He was tempted in the Arcanum of the lovers. This reminds us of how Timur the former king of Tartary, Prince Kala's father, has lost everything due to the downfall of the human soul, Tifereth, the sixth Sephirah from the top to the middle of the tree of life. Remember that Timur in the opera is blind. The powers of the spirit are blind in us. The eyes of Ra are incapacitated. Our spiritual sight is lost. Through breaking the sixth commandment, chastity. Samson also lost his sight by giving away his secret, his hair, his chastity, to Delilah, to Dalet, the doorway into Lilit. Lilit is the horror of Arcanum 6, the night of the infernal worlds, the abyss. It's not a coincidence that the number six even sounds like sex, a reference to the rites of chastity. Through breaking the sixth commandment, the law of sex, we become demons. When the powers of the spirit, chesed, the north, are in command of our spinal column, then we become kings of Tartary, the emperor of the Tarot. But when we allow the forces of the spirit to crumble, to fall, through lust in the left pillar of the tree of life, we become kings of hell, the Tartarus. We are spiritually blind, ignorant, lost within hell, Peking. However, by working against the ego, we achieve Arcanum 8, justice. This card relates to the caduceus of Mercury, as we explained earlier, or how we balance the scale of the infinite within our spinal column, our spinal medulla. This is accomplished through psychological equilibrium within our mind, heart, and body. In Arcanum 8, 
we see a woman kneeling in prayer upon three steps, symbolic of the three elements of alchemy, salt, sulfur, and mercury. In her left hand is a sword, and above her right hand, a scale levitates. She is the Divine Mother, or any female initiate who is achieving equilibrium in her psyche. When we work with the left serpent of the Tree of Life, the force of Ida, we are working with the left pillar of the Tree of Life. This also signifies the work with Zain, the Kundalini, within the spine. The left pillar of the Tree of Life is governed by Bina, intelligence, but also Gibra, justice. Remember that the Kabbalists teach how the soul and spirit are elevated through the work of the left pillar by controlling the lunar energies of the left serpent, Ida. The lunar serpent can either raise one towards redemption or lead the soul into damnation, depending on how it is used. Also remember that Leu, the servant of Timur, proclaims at the beginning of Act 1, How my master has fallen. Will someone raise him for me? Geburah, the divine soul, Leu, asks for help to raise the spirit. This is when Prince Caliph emerges. Through our human willpower, Tifereth, is how we can raise our spiritual forces. We achieve liberation with the help of Geburah and the left pillar of the tree of life. When the left lunar serpent, Ida, obeys the commands of the spirit, the right solar serpentine energies of Pingala, we achieve justice, equilibrium within the soul. So eight men were slain in the year of the dog. The dog is a symbol of sexual instinct, sexual desire, Lucifer. In the Greek myths, Cerberus is the dog who guards the entrance into the infernal worlds. Heracles, the cosmic Christ, had to rescue him and take him out of the abyss in one of the twelve labors. This dog is pleasant towards those who enter the hell realms, but is vicious and violent towards those who want to leave. This symbolizes how hell is easy to enter and difficult to escape. Fornication is tempting and easy, but chastity and initiation is difficult. The lusts of the mind, our desires, fight against us when we try to steal the sexual fire from the devil. Since eight princes died in the year of the dog, we can conclude that the disciple will enter devolution when failing to work with the left and right pillars of the tree of life with chastity. Thirteen princes were slain in the terrible year of the tiger. The tiger is a beautiful symbol of the sexual energy as well, Christ. We remember the tiger knights, the jaguar knights from the Aztec pantheon, who, according to Samael and Vior, were masters of the 13th Arcanum, mystical death. They worked in the full elimination of their desires, their ego. Therefore, they are great warriors, great masters. 
they achieved perfection. But in the case of Peking, we find that 13 initiates were slain in the year of the tiger. This means that these initiates were slain in hell through the second death because they failed to rise in the solar path. The dualism of Arcanum 13 is allegorized in the writings of Friedrich Nietzsche. He writes the following in his chapter on chastity or abstinence. I love the forest. It is bad to live in cities. There, too many are in heat. Because most people take the heat and sexual fire of the left pillar of the tree of life and use it for fornication, for desire. Is it not better to fall into the hands of a murderer, Divine Mother Death, to Rindeau, to the solar path of initiation, then into the lunar dreams of a woman in heat, Lilith and Nahema, through devolution within the infernal worlds? And just look at these men. Their eye says it. They know nothing better on earth than to lie with a woman. Mud is at the bottom of their souls, and woe if their mud also has spirit. So what is mud? It is ego. What does it mean to have mud and spirit mixed? It means to be a fallen bodhisattva, a hasanamus with a double center of gravity. There is nothing worse than being a hasanamus with a double polarity. A fallen bodhisattva has a lot of power in hell through enmeshing his or her spirit within the filthiness of the ego. Friedrich Nietzsche continues, Would that you were perfect, at least as animals, but to animals belongs innocence. Do I counsel you to slay your instincts? I counsel you to the innocence in your instincts. Why are animals innocent, even though they fornicate? They don't have the intellect yet. They're still evolving within the mechanical forces of nature. They simply obey their instincts without question or rationalization. They don't have the capacity to discern good from evil, purity from impurity. They're innocent elementals. Once those souls enter the humanoid kingdom, they receive the intellect and become intellectual animals. Those souls are then given the commandments to not engage in sexuality as animals, to enter a higher kingdom, the sexuality of true human beings. The sexuality of Malachim, of angels, is chaste. Since we have the intellect and can rationalize, we are more accountable for our actions. We are no longer innocent. It is at this point in our evolution whereby we can become true human beings, princes or malakim with solar bodies. Animals cannot achieve that until becoming intellectual humanoids because an animal does not have the intellect yet, cannot reason or discern good from evil. Also, we don't need to reject sex as something filthy, but comprehend and use it in a pure way. Chastity or alchemy is purity of sex, not rejection of it. This is why Nietzsche counsels you to innocence in your instincts. In the East, the tiger refers to Christ. It also refers to the creative energies one must conquer in oneself. The Western equivalent within the Judeo-Christian Muslim tradition is the Lion of Judah.
Going further with numerology, the sum of all deaths under Turndo is 6 plus 8 plus 13 equals 27. 2 plus 7 equals 9. The hermit. 27 is a very interesting number in Gnostic esotericism because the 27th is the most Christic day of the month. The forces of the solar logos are most active at this time. We even have special holidays related to the 27th of each month, which we celebrate within our Gnostic churches. We also have the advent of Samael on October 27th, 1954. We always celebrate certain Gnostic rituals on the 27th of the month in remembrance of divinity. And on October 27th, we celebrate the incarnation of the Martian Christ within his Bodhisattva, Samael on Veor. 27 also relates to the heartbeat of any planet. Every planet has a specific term or lifespan, which is measured by the palpitations of the planet's vitality or heart. Just as we all have a set number of heartbeats for our own life, likewise every planet has its own heartbeat or cosmic rhythms. These energetic palpitations fluctuate in accordance with the harmony of the worlds. Each heartbeat in any planet spans 27,000 years. There also exists 2 billion, 700 million heartbeats or palpitations within a planet's life before it must become a cadaver, a corpse, a moon. 2 plus 7 equals 9. The ninth arcanum, the hermit, the ninth sephirah of the tree of life, from the top to the bottom, is Yasob, the foundation stone. This is the great arcanum, the mysteries of sexual alchemy. Prince Caliph is precisely the hermit who walks the path of initiation. Symbolically, he carries the staff of the patriarchs, the spinal column, and the lamp of Hermes, the wisdom of the mercurial science. The secret of chastity. Given our understanding of what Ping, Pang, and Pong represent, it's interesting that they lament the state of disorder in which Peking is, resides. Ping, Pang, and Pong feel great aversion for what they are doing. They despise sending men to death. When people think of Diablo, the devil, Lucifer, they think of some being that is external and entirely evil. They don't understand that Lucifer is inside of us. In our internal heavens, he was divine. But when mixed with the ego, desire, he is Diablo. Contrary to popular belief, Lucifer, the light of the being, our psychological trainer, does not like when the soul fails. The reason why Lucifer gives ordeals is that we can conquer them. He wants us to obtain self-realization. He tempts us so that we can become victorious. However, in the vast majority of cases, many disciples are failing in the work of the elimination of the ego. Lucifer's regal obligation is to assist Turandot, signified by all the funerals Ping, Pang, and Pong prepare. And so they are greatly dissatisfied. You notice that they are not happy with so many dead princes? All they want is to return to the peace of their ancestral homes. Ping wants to go back to his house in Honan. 
Pang with the forests of Xi'an, and Pong with the garden near Kyu. This is why Nietzsche stated, I love the forest. In the cities, too many are in heat. The council's ancestral homes bear profound significance. They represent the original pristine quality of the soul before the fall into degeneration. The house of Honan, the forest of Xi'an, and the garden of Kyu all represent the garden of Eden, Yesod. We must return to Eden through the secret gate, Lucifer, the sexual instinct. The peace of one's ancestral home represents the happiness of the soul, since Eden in Hebrew means bliss, voluptuousness. Such bliss and peace are experienced in the perfect matrimony between man and woman. The light of Christus Lucifer was pure before it became degenerated through fornication. Lucifer was heavenly above, but fell from grace when we indulge in desire. The only way to return home is through the door we exited, Eden, sexuality. Lucifer suffers within the ego. He provides us with fire and temptation so that we can transform the devil into an angel. The myth of Prometheus teaches us this doctrine. Remember that Prometheus was punished by the gods because he gave fire to man. This is a symbol for how, as intellectual animals, we squandered the fire of the sexual energy and imprisoned Lucifer to the rock of suffering, to Yesod. In the myth, Prometheus was tortured daily by a vulture, a symbol of our ego. The ego eats the liver of Lucifer every day, leaves at night as his wound heals, and returns to repeat the same situation. This represents how we continuously waste our energy through desire, the vulture, and make Lucifer, the Christic light, suffer. Our sexual behaviors determine if we have light or not. If we are impure, Yao suffers in the soul as Diablo. But if you annihilate the ego, Yao is liberated. Recall the Wizard of Oz, whether the film or the book. The flying monkeys, known as the Winkies, were servants of the Wicked Witch of the West. Those flying monkeys are the powers of E-A-O, but trapped in hell, devolution, degeneration. In the story, the Winkies chant, O-E-O-E-A-O. That is because the power of Lucifer, E-A-O, is channeled through the ego. This changes when Dorothy, the essence, throws water on the Wicked Witch of the West. It's quite a memorable moment in the film when the witch melts, representative of how through transmutation and alchemy, the waters of sexual magic, we can disintegrate the ego. Afterward, the Winkies are freed from the witch's influence and thank Dorothy, because now the powers of Lucifer are freed from the abyss. The four cardinal points of the compass relate to the four elements, as we discussed in our Quantum Four. Each direction of the compass has its mantra and element, 
signified by the north, the earth, Iao. South, the fire, the mantra S or Inri. East, the wind, the breath, or the sound of the exhalation. And the west, the water, the mantra M. In the Wizard of Oz, the north is associated with the good witch Glinda, Ram-E-O, the divine feminine. The east relates to the wind, since the prana, the breath of the sun, rises in the east, in Tifereth, through the mysteries of Da'at, sexual knowledge. The west relates to water, which we use to work against the darkness of the mind in Klipot, the hell realms. And the south relates to the powers of the left pillar, the lunar fires of the serpent Ida, which we must purify and raise through alchemy. This is why the author of the second part of The Flight of the Feathered Serpent taught, look for the knowledge which arrived again from the east, Tifereth. Look for the knowledge which is written in the north, said, and you will neither have west nor south if you are diligent in alchemy by never losing even a single drop of the sacred wine of transmutation. Ever hear of the slang? <clears throat> Ever hear of the slang when things go south? Hence, you can see that if one fornicates, things really go south. The soul enters degeneration. To fall into the West, into Klipot, is certainly not pleasant either. So, why would a figure like Lucifer be evil if Ping, Pang, and Pong are not pleased with the failure of so many souls? Why does the tempter not want the soul to go south and west, but rather north and east, Kabbalistically speaking? What Lucifer wants most of all is return, to return home to the Absolute. When we eliminate the ego, unifying the soul with the purified Lucifer, we become terribly divine archangels, knowing the tree of life. We become wizards of Oz. Ots ha dat tob ve ra. Wizards of the tree of knowledge, knowing good and evil completely. But if we have ego, we cannot go anywhere. Lucifer wants resurrection. Ping, Pang, and Pong want a prince to achieve the divine marriage with Turndo, the Holy Spirit. Bina the Holy Spirit must absorb the lower seven sephiroth of the tree of life through the process of resurrection. Yet this can only happen with the radical death of desire. Lucifer cares for self-realization. Evidenced by ping, pang, and pong, singing of the death of princes, while the chorus shouts, Jira Lakote, grind the wheel, sharpen the executioner's axe, Blood and Death, the Song of the Abyss. The counselors sing, Adio Amore, Adio Rasa, 
a Dios terpe divina, et finisci la china. This translates as farewell to love, farewell to our race, farewell divine lineage. And China comes to an end. An esoteric translation could include farewell to the solar initiates, farewell to the Aryan root race, farewell to the solar dynasties, the masters of initiation, the heavenly kingdom of China, Jerusalem. The race of the gods has ended. The reign of China, the top Logoic Triangle, is no more, since we are in the Kali Yuga, the age of darkness, an era populated by demons, Hasnamusin, black magicians. The Aztecs also stated in their codices that in the era of the fifth sun, the gods would die. There will be no solar men in our Aryan root race. Therefore, Friedrich Nietzsche famously postulated God is dead. But in the future era of the sixth sun, the Karate root race, the gods will be reborn. Ping, Pang, and Pong also sing how if Caliph succeeds in the riddles, they will lead him to the bridal chamber with a lantern. Remember that Lucifer is the sexual impulse, the mysteries of the bridal chamber, of Da'at, alchemical knowledge. The lantern reminds us of hermetic wisdom, the lamp of Hermes within the ninth arcanum, the hermit. That lamp, that energy, guides the initiate in meditation and daily life. When you have light, you know how to walk the spiritual path. Ping, Pang, and Pong also proclaim that they will sing of love till daybreak. Through marriage with Bina, through resurrection, one is permanently established within the dawn of the solar logos, the Christ. The counselors also sing ecstatically of the unclad body initiated into the mystery. Through the perfect matrimony, husband and wife work in sexual cooperation, transmuting the sexual energy and annihilating desire. The couple uses the left pillar of the tree of life, raising Zayin, the kundalini sword of the Divine Mother, to achieve liberation. But for that, the couple must conquer temptation. Lucifer, the serpent of Eden. Our inner clay pot must be cleaned completely. The nine infernal spheres of the tree of Zakum, the tree of hell, must be purified. Yet for that to happen, the Prince Caliph, Tifereth, must first answer the three riddles of Turandot. These three riddles synthesize the three mother letters of Kabbalah, the four elements, the four cardinal points, the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When we begin the path, the solar dynasties, the angels, the Buddhas, welcome us with internal experiences. A palace in esotericism bears profound significance. Since in the internal planes, seeing or entering a palace indicates ascension, an entrance into the mysteries. Entering a temple or palace signifies divine favor, 
and acceptance of the gods. Any palace dedicated to the solar dynasties is made of gold, symbolic of the solar principles of Christ. The temple of Solomon, Sholoma, the solar man, was made of gold. Some island Vera mentions how the church of Laodicea in the internal plains is made completely of gold. A representation of how this church, the chakra Sahasrara, the lotus of a thousand petals, connects us with the heights of divinity. The funereal trials take place in the palace, showing us that they are not meant to punish the soul. People often think of ordeals as something blind, given from a mistaken and blind sense of divine retribution. The truth is that ordeals are given to the essence, the consciousness, from divinity. Represented by the fact that Prince Caliph must stand before the nobles of China, the aristocracy, the divine beings, to answer Turandot's riddles. The reason why the Buddhas, the Elohim, the divine beings, provide the initiate tests is to see them qualify. The divine beings want us to enter the superior worlds with victory, with consciousness, with development. They don't want the initiates to fail, but to conquer. But the only way for them to enter heaven is to be purified. For as stated in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 12, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We must be violent to our own ego by working with our divine mother, death. We must learn to fall into the arms of Devi Kundalini, according to Nietzsche. To do so is to face great adversity. As shown in the opera, we must overcome such challenges with sincerity, serenity, patience, and zeal. While divinity provides the ordeals to help the initiates, they do not ignore that such ordeals are very dangerous. How we respond to these tests will determine our fate. In this next image, we see the Temple of Mat, goddess of truth and justice. Puccini was well aware of the Egyptian Book of the Dead of Ani, which is the basis for his opera. Just as Prince Caliph must prove his psychological worth before the nobles of China and the Princess Turandot, likewise Ani and his wife Tutu must present themselves in the Temple of Maat to have Ani's heart weighed. Anubis is the Supreme Lord of Karma in our solar system who weighs the hearts of the Egyptian initiates to register the purity of their soul. The heart is balanced with the feather, symbolizing how the mind must be balanced with the heart. The feather represents the air, the qualities of the intellectual brain, while the heart symbolizes the fires of the emotional brain. Notice also that a monkey sits on top of the scale, representing desire in the motor instinctive sexual brain. Ani must balance his three brains through the elimination of the ego, meaning he must achieve psychological equilibrium and balance. 
to receive divine favor and join the solar dynasties, he must be pure. If he fails, the monster Amut with the face of a crocodile will devour him, a symbol of the forces of devolution that will swallow the initiate. Arcanum 21, transmutation, is the fool of the tarot. Those who fail to transmute and eliminate desire end up as fools, bohemians, imbeciles. The crocodile of the card threatens to swallow the initiate standing over it in the waters of sexuality. If the disciple fails to defeat his own lust, then the abyss and the second death, represented by the crocodile or the monster Amut, will devour him. It's also important to understand that the goddess Ma'at is the divine mother death, since Mut in Hebrew means death. It is only through death of the ego that one can obtain truth, justice, and the entrance into the temples of the divine mysteries. Ma'at also in Egyptian mythology did not exist until Ra, the solar logos, rose from the ocean of Nun, the sexual energy. Nun signifies the sperm or ovum, since Nun in Aramaic signifies a fish. The sperm or ovum are fish that swim in our creative waters, Ma'im in Hebrew. From the sperm and ovum emerge all life. Similarly, we generate the Divine Mother Kundalini in our spine and enter the kingdom of truth and justice when we transmute our sperm and ovum into energy. Remember also that the Hebrew name Miriam, Mary, signifies to raise, to elevate, since we are spiritually raised by working with the sexual waters of Mem. On the right, the god Toth prepares to document and inscribe the fate of the initiate. There is no middle ground. There will either be victory on the solar path or failure. Entrance into the lunar submerged spheres, the klipot. As the Quran teaches in Surah 22, verse 70, Do you not know that Allah knows whether, whatever there is in the sky, the nine heavens or sephiroth of the tree of life, and the earth with its nine submerged spheres? That is indeed in a book. That is indeed easy for Allah. From Al-Hajj, the pilgrimage, verse 70. On the top of the image of the Temple of Ma'at are judges, including Hu, Sia, Hathor, Horus, or Aorus, Oros, the gold or light of the Divine Spirit, Isis, the Divine Mother, Nephthys, Nut, Geb, and others. There exist 42 judges of karma who evaluate the souls of the dead. These judges determine where the defunct will be placed in the cosmos based on their psychological qualities and actions. This is represented in the opera by the aristocrats and nobles who watch along with the commoners in the palace. Accompanying this image of the Temple of Ma'at is a ritual prayer from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the Negative Confessions. In it, the soul proclaims before the tribunals of justice that it has never sinned, 
because it has achieved radical death of the ego. Puccini knew this teaching well and allegorizes how Prince Caliph must overcome such funereal trials within the Hall of Justice and Truth, the Temple of Maat, the Heavenly Palace of China, the Celestial Jerusalem. Some island viewer speaks extensively about these negative confessions in his book, Cosmic Teachings of a Lama, from the Papyrus of Nu. Let us now utter from the profound depth of all ages, listen to me, humans and gods. The negative confession from the Papyrus of Nu is for those human beings who have achieved radical and absolute death. After the definitive annihilation of the ego and of the three traitors of Haram Abif, we can certainly give unto ourselves the luxury of penetrating into the double hall of truth and justice, dressed with the glorious bodies of Kam-Ur, to attend to victoriously enter the double hall of Mat without previously having passed through the supreme death would be useless. We are not referring to the death of the physical body. Only the authentic defuncts have the right to the negative confession. Indeed, only they can submit themselves to the terrible confession from the papyrus of new of the Egyptian mysteries. Let it be understood that the authentic defuncts are those who have died in themselves within the 49 regions of their subconsciousness. Therefore, any true defunct can present himself dressed with his solar bodies in the double hall of Ma'at in order to perform his negative confession. Homage to thee, O great God, thou Lord of truth and justice, I have come to thee, O powerful Lord. I have brought myself hither that I may behold thy radiant beauty. I know thee, and I know thy magic name, and I know the names of the two and forty divinities who surround thee in this vast hall of truth and justice, who live as warders of sinners, and who feed upon their blood on the day when the sins of men are taken into account in the presence of Osiris. The two goddesses, twin sisters with two eyes, Lord of the order of the universe is thy name. Behold that I have brought in my heart truth and justice to thee, since I have destroyed all wickedness from it for thee. I have not done evil to mankind. I have not oppressed the members of my family. I have not brought injustice in the palace. I have not brought injustice in the place of justice. I have had no knowledge of worthless men. I have not wrought evil. I have not made to be the first consideration of each day that excessive labor should be performed for me. I have not brought forward my name for exaltations to honors. I have not ill-treated servants. I have not thought scorn of gods. I have not defrauded the oppressed one of his property. I have not done that which is an abomination unto the gods. I have not caused harm to be done to the servant by his chief. I have not caused pain. I have made no man to suffer. I have made no one of my neighbors to weep. I have done no murder. I have not given the order for murder to be done for me. I have not inflicted sicknesses upon mankind. I have not defrauded the temples of their oblations. I have not purloined the cakes of the gods. I have not carried off the cakes offered to the sanctified spirits. I have not polluted myself by committing shameful actions within this sacrosanct precinct of the temples. I have not diminished from the bushel. I have neither added to nor filched away land. I have not encroached upon the fields of others. 
I have not added to the weight of the scales to cheat the seller. I have not misread the pointer of the scales to cheat the buyer. I have not carried away the milk from the mouth of children. I have not driven away the cattle that which were upon their pastures. I have not snared the feathered fowls of the preserves of the gods. I have not caught fish with bait made of fish of their kind. I have not turned back the water at the time when it should flow. I have not a cutting in a canal of running water. I have not cut a can- I have not cut a cutting in a canal of running water. I have not extinguished a fire or light when it should burn. I have not violated the rules of their offerings. I have not violated the rules of the offerings, the chosen meat offerings. I have not driven off the cattle from the property of the temples of the gods. I have not repulsed the god and his manifestation. I am pure. I am pure. I am pure. My purity is the purity of that great phoenix which is in the city of Heracleopolis. For behold, I am the Lord of the respiration who maketh all the initiates to live on the solemn day when the eye of Horus in the presence of the divine Lord of this earth, which is Heliopolis at the end. For behold, I have seen the eye of Horus in Heliopolis at the end. Therefore, O gods, let not evil befall me in this land and in your hall of truth and justice, because I... Even I know the names of these gods who are therein and who are about Ma'at, the great divinity of truth and justice. The Negative Confessions, quoted by Samael and Vior in Cosmic Teachings of a Lama. The Divine Emperor greets Prince Caliph. The Emperor's name is never given in the opera, but it explains the meaning of this character very profoundly. Al-Tum is Keter, the father, whom the crowds of nobles and aristocrats, as well as the multitudes of commoners, greet with such reverence, inspiration, and grandiosity. The palace of Peking sings in ecstasy before the throne of Keter, Emperor Al-Tum, because he is the father of all lights the height of heights, the mercy of mercies. It's significant that the mantra tomb is found in his name. All tomb. We explain the meaning of the mantra tomb in Arcanum 9, which refers to the three primary forces. The consonant T relates to Keter, since the name Keter even possesses the same consonant. The Hebrew letter Tav, symbol of the seal of truth, divinity. The Vau represents Chokmah, Christ, wisdom. The mantra M relates to Bina, the Holy Spirit, because Mem represents the waters. With the mantra Tum, we invoke the three primary forces within our three brains Keter, the Father, in the intellectual brain, Chokmah, the Son, in the emotional brain, and Bina, the Holy Spirit, within the motor instinctive sexual brain. Samaylan Vayor explains in Teron Kabbalah, the self-realized monad is powerful. It has power over the fire, air, water, and earth, which can also signify the four cardinal points of the tree of life. That is why in the Egyptian book of the dead, the devotee directs himself towards Oros and says, I fortify your legs and your arms. Likewise, the devotee asks Horus, to fortify his three brains, 
intellectual, emotional, and motor. This is because Horus needs the devotee to have his three brains strong from Arcanum 9, triumph. The mantra tomb is exceptional and is inferenced in this opera since Prince Caliph is tested in his three brains through three riddles to evaluate his worthiness before the divine hierarchies of Al-Tum, El-Tum, the three primary forces of Tum in conjunction with the Hebrew spirit, El Chesed. As the ruler of the palace, the emperor has seen the death of many initiates. Therefore, he questions the stranger, the prince caliph, to see whether he is determined and sincere in his efforts. He questions the prince not because he doesn't want to see Caliph succeed, but because he is conscious of the dangers and the results of those who don't qualify. The emperor states in synthesis, Please leave so that I do not have to be responsible for or see your death. I have too much blood on my hands. Even in the Metropolitan Opera performance we watched, starring Placido Domingo as Caliph, portrays the emperor wringing his hands with grief. Three times does Prince Caliph state, Son of Heaven, Keter, I beg you to let me try my fortune. This indicates how we must be determined to perform the work in each of our three brains, to learn how to fortify horos within our mind, emotions, and sex. Netzach, the mental body. Hod, the astral body. And Yesod, the vital body. The emperor finally states, Stranger in love with death, Bina, the Divine Mother turned O. So be it. Every initiate, when completing any spiritual works, always proclaims, So be it. This is very well known amongst members of the Gnostic Church. At this point in the opera, the execution of the law of karma returns to remind Caliph of his solemn duty before the solar hierarchies to conquer himself through answering the three riddles or to fail and enter the infernal worlds after being judged unworthy. After the executioner leaves, a chorus of children enter, singing praises to the divine princess Turindal. It's interesting that the children, symbolizing the youthful, vital principles of the moon, follow after the deadly proclamation of fatality and death, Saturn. The moon, astrologically, relates to the forces of Saturn. Through the death of the ego, the rites of Saturn, Saturday, the Sabbath, or sexual alchemy, is how we are born again as innocent children in the kingdom of heaven. The children proclaim, Do you not hear the thousand voices calling from the desert to the sea? These are the virginal sparks, or elemental souls of nature, evolving from the mineral, plant, and animal kingdoms. The elementals seek the bounty and blessings of Turandot, reminding the Prince Caliph of the glories of self-realization that await him through the path of mystical death. Turandot then emerges. She relates how thousands of years ago, 
Princess Lu Ling, ruled in silence of the spirit and pure, chaste joy, defying the abhorred tyranny of fornicating man with constancy, chastity, and firmness. Thousands of years is symbolic of esoteric ages, logoic ages, development from initiation, as Samael and Vior describes in the Major Mysteries. This indicates how the soul once knew the Logos and the Divine Mother, the Princess Luling. In the past, the Divine Mother was pure, untainted within the soul. Through fornication, the soul fell and lost its perfection, and the energies of the Divine Mother were defiled. Turndo is lamenting that loss. The violation of Lu Ling's purity. Her chastity was broken through the failure and degeneration of the soul. People who watch this opera think that Turandot is just a woman who is very vengeful towards men because the king of Tartary raped her ancestress. The symbology of this drama, however, teaches us not to interpret things so literally. Through fornication, we sin against the Holy Ghost and become strangers from the kingdom of heaven. We took the forces of the spirit, of Tartary, of the north, and threw them into hell, the Tartarus, the west. Therefore, due to our lust, Turndo is enraged with us because we fell. In synthesis, all of us have sinned against the goddess moon. She rejects Callus because he is impure, with ego. She even proclaims, No man shall possess me, or better said, No fornicator shall have me. It is only through the complete death of the ego that we can self-realize. Mary, or resurrect within Binah, the Divine Mother. The commoners, the crowds in the palace, Relate how Lu Ling was raped when the king of Tartary unfurled his seven standards. Seven once again reminds us of the seventh arcanum. Battles, struggles, wars and pain. This is very interesting, given that Caliph and Timur once ruled the kingdom of Tartary. Now Caliph, having been expelled from his kingdom, seeks to regain the divine through his marriage with Turno. He, as the Bodhisattva, seeks to reconcile the conflicting forces of the Tartars, the soul trapped in the abominable ego, with the heavenly China, the celestial Jerusalem, the Far East. Tartary refers to the spiritual forces of the North that are now channeled in hell, the Tartarus, and must be redeemed. Prince Caliph is therefore a Hasnamus, since he is trapped in Klipot, and yet he wants to recapitulate his past initiations through the trials. Turandot also related how Lu Ling was dragged away by a stranger like Caliph. She emphasizes this detail very much. You are a stranger. You are a foreigner. You do not belong here. But what does her insistence on his strangeness mean? From the book of Proverbs, chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. 
when wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the way from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil, and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they forward in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, the positive forces of vitality, youth, the moon, and forgetteth the covenant of her God, the Sabbath, the rites of Saturn, the Holy Spirit. Any fornicator is a stranger to God, for the ways of fornication are strange and unnatural to the divine. Therefore, it is appropriate that at the beginning of this path, we are referred to as straniero, strangers. In Jewish terms, we are Gentiles, goyim, non-Jews. In strict esoteric language, a Jew is a master who is incarnated Yehu, Yao, Christ. If we do not have Christ developed inside, then we are goyim, people with ego. Since even the term goyim backwards can sound like ego. However, divinity does not withdraw or withhold favor from the fallen soul. Because the emperor and the others show concern for caliph and want him to be victorious in the trials. Or as stated in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 19, Love the gear, stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Egypt in the Bible represents Malkut, the physical bodies. We are strangers in Malkut, this physical world, because we, as the essence, long to return to the heavens, the stars, the Far East. Turndo reprimands Caliph that he is too unclean to marry her. This doesn't mean that she doesn't want him to succeed. It only indicates that the Divine Mother is the terror of love and law. She is very demanding towards the soul. Absolute perfection is needed for resurrection. Therefore she challenges him. No fornicating man shall possess me. And the riddles are three. Death, one. To which Caliph replies, The riddles are three. Life is one. Both repeat their proclamations together in this beautiful aria. Truly, as we mentioned earlier, life and death are one. Love and death share the same roots. As stated in Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, or the poem by Schiller upon which the Ninth Symphony was based, both sinners and saints follow her path of roses. Through Shakti, the Divine Feminine, we are destroyed and reborn or as it is taught by the Christian mantra, Inri, Inetis Renascor Integer, in death I am reborn intact and pure. To help explain the significance of the three ordeals, it is necessary to refer to the three mother letters of Hebraic Kabbalah. These letters are Aleph, air, Shin, fire, and Mem, water. The three riddles or questions synthesize the entire work of the first mountain, 
the path of initiation. These riddles represent the air, water, and fire. The three brains. The three solar bodies we must create through the perfect matrimony. And the three elements of alchemy. These three ordeals symbolize the work with water and seminus. Fire, kundalini, and air, prana, of sexual alchemy. They also represent the brute semen, mem, water, the metallic soul of the sperm, mercury, air, aleph, and the sulfur fecundating the sexual energy, the kundalini fire, shin. Samael and Vior explains the synthesis of these three alchemical elements in the Aquarian message. The philosophical fire must be searched for within the end seminus. In the beginning, this fire is nothing more than a dry and terrestrial exhalation incorporated into seminal steam. This dry and terrestrial exhalation is transmuted into the marvelous lightning of Kundalini when the priest learns how to withdraw from the altar without wasting even a single drop of the sacred wine. We receive the flaming sword when reaching these heights. When the end seminus is fecundated by the fire, it becomes the master and regenerator of the human being. The fire nourishes itself with the vital air, with the prana or universal life. Really, the sexual fire, which is constantly inhaled and exhaled during the supreme ecstasy of love, becomes transformed into that terrific lightning that upon rising to the medullar canal opens the seven churches from the Aquarian message. Some island Vior also explains the following in the Gnostic Bible, the Pisces Sophia unveiled. Three witnesses in heaven exist, the Father, the Logos, and the Holy Spirit. Three witnesses on earth exist, the breath, Aleph, the blood, Shin, and the water, Mem. Keter, Chokmah, and Binah are those logaric energies, are those logoic energies that produce the awakening of the consciousness. They animate our three brains or psychological centers, Keter, the father, in the intellectual brain, Chokmah, the logos, in the emotional brain, and Binah, the Holy Spirit, within the motor instinctive sexual brain. The three witnesses on earth represent psycho-spiritual and physiological elements, forces that, when utilized and transformed in sexual alchemy, produce the creation of the soul, the solar bodies. These three witnesses on earth also represent the three mother letters of Kabbalah. They also relate to the three brains, Aleph, the air, and the intellectual brain, Shin, the fire, in the emotional brain, and Mem, the waters, in the motor instinctive sexual brain. The true human being is formed by the creation of three solar bodies, the Christ astral, symbolized by blood, the wine of the Lord of the, in the solar Eucharist, the Christ mind, the breath of God, and Christ's will, the waters of the Spirit. There's some interesting Hebrew etymology related to the assimilation of oxygen into the bloodstream. When Aleph, the breath, the prana, is inhaled through our lungs and assimilated into our bloodstream 
in a conscious way, we begin to initiate spiritual forces. The Hebrew word dam means blood. So aleph dam forms Adam, the perfect human being. Contained within Adam are the three witnesses, the blood, the breath, and the waters of the spirit. The seminal matter that is transmuted into fire and light. The three riddles also correspond to teachings given within the Zohar. Puccini is a master of Freemasonry, Kabbalah, and alchemy. Incorporated Jewish mysticism into his dramas, specifically with the three questions Turandot poses the Caliph. These riddles synthesize the work with creating solar bodies in the perfect matrimony. The Zohar can also elucidate how Puccini depicts three dynamics of the same thing, the principles of alchemy. From the Zohar, Rabbi Shimon resolved the conflict between the left and right pillars of the tree of life, as we discussed in Arcanum 8, justice. Opening with a verse, it is written, next to the enclosure are the rings to be, as housings for the poles. Exodus chapter 25, verse 27. Who is that enclosure? A closed site, open only by a single narrow path, intimated secretly. What does a ring symbolize in the internal worlds? Marriage. Yesod. Alchemy. To see seven rings in the internal worlds indicates the perfect matrimony. The union of two souls within all seven planes of cosmic consciousness. The lower seven sephiroth of the tree of life and beyond. A ring also represents woman. The uterus, while the poles are phallic in nature, the masculine sexual organ. But what is the enclosure? A symbol of woman as well. The feminine sexual organs, or single narrow path, intimated secretly. The woman is the intimate secret gate to Eden, which has only been allegorized in the scriptures and never taught explicitly until the 1950s. From the Zohar. Thereby it is filled and traces gates to kindle lamps. Because it is a site hidden and concealed, it is called enclosure. That is the world that is coming, Binah. Why would the sexual act, the perfect matrimony, alchemy, be the way or gates to kindle lamps? Arcanum 9 shows us the hermit of the Tarot who carries in his left hand the lamp of Hermes, Mercury, alchemical wisdom. We generate light through working with sexual transmutation so that we can perceive where we are in our work. We also have seven lamps related to our spinal medulla, the seven chakras that must be awakened and enlivened through fire. The sexual act is the world that will emerge, manifest, because Binah, the Holy Spirit, is the generator and supreme regenerator of the perfect human being. From the Zohar. Are the rings of the perfect matrimony to be supernal rings linked 
to one another. Since the supernal triangle, the top trinity of the tree of life, also relates to the three mother letters of Kabbalah. Mem, water, from air, aleph, air from fire, shin, fire from water, mem, all linked to each other, emerging from one another like rings. They all gaze at that enclosure into which merges the supernal river of Da'at, the Akashic fiery waters of Ha-Shamayim, the heavens that Elohim created in the opening of Genesis, to water them, and they merge in it. The rings of the perfect matrimony symbolize the solar bodies, Christ astral, Christ mind, and Christ will, which merge with and are created by the fiery waters of Da'at, Hashamayim, as stated in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Bereshit bara Elohim, at Hashamayim beat haretz. In wisdom, Elohim created the heavens, Hashamayim, and the earth, haretz. Shin is fire, and Mayim is water. For when we work in a marriage, the waters of Yesod become inflamed with the fires the shin of Christ to create the heavens within us, the Christified soul, the solar bodies. This is Genesis, generation, which Prince Caliph must achieve if he wishes to enter the congregation of Israel, the kingdom of China, the Far East. Those without wedding garments, solar bodies, who failed to create them through the three ordeals of the divine princess Shekinah will be cast out to outer darkness where only the weeping and gnashing of teeth will be heard. From the Zohar. Housings for the poles. These supernal rings are housings designated for the poles, the chariots below. For one derives from the side of fire, one from the side of water, and one from the side of air. And so with them all, constituting a chariot for the ark. What is a chariot? A solar body. Remember that the spirit in Arcanum 7 drives the chariot of war. Has said our inner God must conquer the lower sephiroth of the tree of life to obtain triumph. One solar body corresponds to the side of fire. Hod, the solar astral body. One from the side of air, Netzach, the solar mental body. And another from the side of water, Tifereth, the solar causal body. All of these constitute a chariot for the Ark, the great Arcanum, the Ark of the Covenant of Sexual Alchemy between God and man. One solar body corresponds to the fire one solar body corresponds to the side of fire, Hod, the solar astral body. One from the side of air, Netzach, the solar mental body. So whoever approaches should approach these poles, not what lies within. As we say to the Nazarite, go around, around. Do not come near the vineyard, except for those worthy of serving within, privileged to enter and draw near. Of this is written, an outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Book of Numbers, chapter 1, verse 51. Commented on by the Zohar. 
Who are the Nazarenes? H.P. Blavatsky stated that they are the same as the St. John Christians, called the Mandaeans or Sabians. They designated Christ a false messiah and only recognized John the Baptist, whom they called the great Nazar. A Nazarene in this case refers to any person who studies esotericism but does not accept Christ. Yod Chava, Chokmah, Wisdom. They are told to not draw near to the vineyard, the garden of a marriage, because only those who are worthy and prepared can receive instructions regarding the great arcanum. Why must outsiders not draw near? Because they are fornicators. Therefore, notice how Turandot ostracizes Caliph by calling him a stranger, an outsider. To approach Turandot, one must be perfectly chaste and fought. Word, indeed. One must respond consciously to the three ordeals through meditating on and annihilating the ego. The first ordeal states, In the dark night flies a many-hued phantom. It soars and spreads its wings above the gloomy human crowd. The whole world calls to it. The whole world implores it. At dawn the phantom vanishes to be reborn in every heart. And every night tis born anew, and every day it dies. Cal provides the correct answer. Hope. Aleph. Hope as an aerial quality or characteristic of the psyche refers to the spirit. Ruach Elohim or wind of God. Aleph is prana, the force of life that animates every atom of our physical and spiritual being. When conquering this ordeal, the negative aspect of the serpent criticizes Caliph when Turandot says, hope that leaves one disillusioned, meaning you will fall no matter what. Why would Turandot say this? Because as we mentioned in our first lecture, the serpent is dual. In heaven she is kundalini, in hell, she is Kunda Buffer. Both aspects are represented in the trials. Turndo continues. It kindles like a flame, but it is not flame. At times, it is a frenzy. It is fever, force, passion. Inertia makes it flag. If you lose heart or die, it grows cold. But dream of conquest and it flares up. Its voice you heed in trepidation. It glows like the setting sun. Caliph panics, as any initiate does before the terrifying ordeals of the 13th Arcanum. All of us need to die radically to the ego. Therefore, divinity helps us by showing us a sunset in the internal planes, which indicates how the solar logos needs us to die to desire. Leu who is watching with Timur in the crowd, pronounces, it is for love. The heart. Thereafter, Cal provides the correct answer again. Blood. Shin. This shows us how the divine soul, Budi, Giburah, Leu, always aids Tifereth, the human soul, in battle against the ego, 
against the second death. Blood is a quality of passion, is the flame or fire of Christ. Shin is the fire that Moshe, Moses, saw on Mount Oreb. The Immaculate Lord who appeared as the burning bush. It is interesting that Christ is love. And in the ordeal relating to Shin, Leu proclaims that Caliph is fighting for love. There are also many interesting astrological correspondences in this scene. Chokmah, the solar Christ, manifests in Geburah, because Geburah is not only governed by Mars, but the sun. Mars relates to blood and bloodshed, while the sun relates to splendor, radiance, Christ. Both planets relate to Geburah, since blood glows like the setting sun when in trepidation. The solar logos, the Christ, Shin, must inflame our blood through alchemy. When conquering this ordeal, the chorus replies, Hold on, persist, you answerer of riddles. Turandot has them hit by the guards, representing how, during the ordeals, the negative serpent fights for dominance within the initiates. As we explained in Arcanum 9, the serpent of Moses fights the serpents of the Egyptians, the black magicians of Malkut and Klipot. The third and final ordeal sums up the mystery of initiation. Ice which gives you fire, in which your fire freezes still more. Lily white and dark, if it allows you your freedom and makes you a slave. If it accepts you as a slave, it makes you a king. After doubt, consternation, and fear, Caliph triumphs in the ordeals and answers, Victory is mine. My fire will melt your ice, Turundo. Turundo, as ice that burns and fire that freezes, refers to the waters of sexuality, the Ma'im of Yeson. Ma'im relates to Miriam, the Virgin Mary, Selamaris, the Virgin of the Sea. Let us remember the ninth sphere of Dante's Inferno, where the lost souls, embedded in the ice of Cossetus, burn with the cold until their complete disintegration to the second death. Such is the path of death through the waters in hell. Mem, however, as the final ordeal, also contains the mystery of initiation. For it is through the sexual waters that one dies and is reborn on the solar path through initiation. The sexual energies are lily white through chastity, as any clairvoyant can see the light of a person's kidneys, wherein is registered within the internal bodies the level of chastity or lust of an individual. Darkness or animal passion is the blackness of the ego, which darkens the astral and mental bodies of demons, the Lucifers. Also, if you freely give in to fornication, Kali makes you a slave of hell. Become a slave of chastity and the Divine Mother, and you will become free, a Malek, a twice-born, a king of Tifereth, let us also remember that Mem is the 13th letter of Hebraic Kabbalah 
and refers to the 13th Arcanum, which contains the very essence of this opera. Notice that the riddles got progressively harder. From air, the mind, to fire, the heart, to water, our sexuality. This indicates how the aerial nature of our thoughts, Aleph, is easiest to control. Thoughts are the slowest aspect of our three-brain machine. The fires of the emotional brain, Shin, are much more difficult, dangerous, because the emotional center is much faster than the intellect. Emotions are very difficult to control, especially when they are strong. However, self-restraint is needed in ordeals and initiation, which is our own life intensely lived with rectitude and love. The greatest ordeal involves facing our own lust in the motor instinctive sexual brain, mem, the most volatile, dangerous, and consequential of the three centers, as portrayed by Caliph's near defeat and silence during the final riddle. Since the brain of action is quickest, it is the most difficult to control. In synthesis, these three mother letters of Kabbalah contain the entire work we must perform. These letters also relate once again to E-A-O. Shin, fire. Ignis, the vowel I. Mem, water. Agua, the vowel A. Aleph, spirit. Origo, the vowel O. Lucifer works through Aleph in the head, Shin in the heart, and Mem in sex. These letters refer specifically to the three primary forces within the three brains. Keter, Aleph, Chokmah, Shin, Ibinah, Mem. This is how the initiate is tested by the Divine Mother to prove his worthiness before the... This is how the initiate is tested by the Divine Mother to prove his worthiness through the rites of purification. The ego must die in all three brains. Of important note are the three wise men at the funereal trials. These are the three magi of Christ's nativity. They witness the ordeals and await the moment when Christ will be born within the heart of the initiate, within the Prince Caliph. They represent the black, white, and gold kings, the gradations of mastery amongst the bodhisattvas. Black kings possess ego, yet they have Christ inside, which makes them solar kings at the beginning level. White kings possess no ego, while gold kings have achieved resurrection within the Sephira Binah. The three magi unveil the scrolls, the answers to turn those riddles, after Caliph has answered them, because they represent the three magi who approach the birth of Christ within the soul. This occurs toward the end of this act. After answering the three riddles successfully, Caliph has become a twice-born, a master of Tifereth, whereby the crowd congratulates him ecstatically. He has formed the solar bodies in himself and has achieved the second birth. Anyone who reaches the fifth initiation of fire is a twice-born, with the Christ astral, Christ mind, and Christ will. While Caliph's victory is rather quick in the opera, the ordeals in actual life take many years of patient work and sufferings. 
It is said Madame Blavatsky created her solar bodies in 10 years with Colonel Olcott. Since she worked hard at first as an individual yogini, people with less training beforehand take even longer. After conquering the ordeals, Turndo is upset. She cries that despite her defeat, she will not marry any man. This indicates to us that Caliph, while becoming victorious in his ordeals, to a certain degree, still has ego and cannot yet attain complete union with the divine. While Caliph succeeds, Turndo refuses to marry him because he is still impure. He still has ego. People often think that Turndo is stubborn and sexually prudent to deny Caliph. But Kabbalists understand how the Princess Shekinah won't resurrect within a soul that still has ego. In terms of masonry, he is an adeptus minor in Tifereth, not adeptus major in Geburah or adeptus exemptus in Chesed. To rise higher on the tree of life, one needs perfection and mastery on the second mountain, the complete death of desire, so as to achieve the goal, resurrection. The Emperor Altum says that Turndo's vow to marry is sacred. She still refuses. Her marriage vow is the pact of alchemy, which the Nirvani Buddhas follow at their level. The problem at this point in the opera is that Turundo, Bina, still wants further development, but a choice must be made by the human soul. Caliph, Tifereth, either will remain in Nirvana and force Turundo to suffer because he is a Hasana Moose with the ego very alive, or he will renounce Nirvana and win the love of Turundo by seeking absolute perfection through the complete death of the ego. Caliph is presented with a choice after completing the riddles. He says he will not force Turandot into his arms unwillingly, but sings that he will have her afire with love once his own impurities are completely dead. Remember that Venus is love, which astrologically relates to Tifereth. When Prince Caliph renounces heaven, marriage, he obtains the Venusic initiation which is the incarnation of Christ, the solar logos, within Tifereth, since this sephirah is also governed by the sun. Only masters who renounce nirvana to return to Malkut, to help suffering humanity, those who have bodhicitta, the compassionate mind of unsurpassed enlightenment, who strive to eliminate the ego in its entirety, can become bodhisattvas, incarnations of chokmah, wisdom, Christ. This is what Samael and Vior refer to as the direct path, the path of the bodhisattvas who eliminate the ego in one life, rather than over the span of countless aeons on the spiral nirvanic path. Bodhisattvas work to completely destroy the ego in one life and to achieve resurrection, marriage with Binah, the Holy Spirit. Once all impurities are removed from the soul, Caliph therefore renounces nirvana, marriage with Turndo at his level, and accepts that Turndo denies him now because his ego is still very alive. However, 
He says he will have her love him and will not force her to do what she does not want. This is why the crowd says, you are strong because he is taking the direct path. Only the strong take this path, which involves tremendous sufferings and hardship. Since to fully eliminate and annihilate the ego is a work of perfection and mastery. Most initiates, once reaching nirvana, end up taking the easier spiral path. And since such nirvanis do not eliminate the ego immediately, nor sacrifice themselves out of love for others who suffer in Malkut, they do not incarnate Christ. When the crowd says, you are strong, they are indicating that Caliph is now thrice honored, blessed by the three primary forces that have descended to help him, specifically the incarnation of Hukmah within his heart. These mysteries are well described in Kabbalah through the symbolism of Moses. Moses in the Bible is a symbol for a psychological principle we must develop and which is portrayed in this opera. Only a Moshe and Moses can take the direct path. Moses or Moshe literally means born of water and fire. He represents our Christic willpower that has the solar bodies created through initiation. The letter Aleph can relate to hey, the breath or womb through which one is born, the sound. Aleph or hey is the solar mental body, Shin, the solar astral body, and Mem, the solar causal body, created in alchemy, which Caliph achieved by answering the riddles. Combine hey, Shin, and Mem. And you spell Hashem, the name. This is the sacred appellation of God. Yod Chava, Jehovah, Christ, within Judaism. The Jews pray to Jehovah as follows. Baruch Hashem Adonai, or blessed be the name of the Lord. Instead of pronouncing the unutterable name, Jehovah, they use Hashem to reference Yod Chava. Jehovah, which is the sacred name of God in the Sephirah Chokmah, Christ. Spell Hashem backwards and you make Moshe, Moses. Only by forming Moses in ourselves, the solar bodies, can we incarnate Hashem, Christ. See how everything is beautifully hidden in Kabbalah? This is well described in chapter 3 of the book of John, whereby Jesus describes the process of the second birth. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born through the womb of the Divine Mother, hey, of water, mem, and the Spirit, shin. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, through fornication, is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, through scientific chastity, is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind, aleph, blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, I cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born from the Spirit. Nayuma, the wind, Aleph. 
Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness to the major mysteries, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up through raising the serpents of light, the Venusic initiations, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life through resurrection. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Since at the end of Act 3, the city of Peking was restored to peace, victory, and harmony. Book of John, chapter 3, verses 3 through 17. The crowd becomes silent. After Caliph's determination and a decision to take the straight path of the Bodhisattvas. Surprisingly, this is the moment when the prince presents Turandot with one riddle that she must answer. If she fails to answer it, she must marry him at dawn. But if she discovers the answer, he will gladly die in the morning hours. He asks her if she can guess his name. How do you say the name in Hebrew? Hashem. Caliph asks Turando to guess his name, or the name Hashem, indicating that he has Christ within him, the solar logos. He tells her to guess his secret, his mystery, which is the alchemical genesis of the Son of Man. For just as Caliph raised the serpent of Moses up his spine, within the wilderness. He has incarnated Christ in himself. And now the Son of Man, Christ, the serpents of light, must be lifted up in his spine to the second half of the first mountain. According to Samayan Vior, Christ is the lost word, lost to humanity, but found and realized by the solar initiates upon the path of alchemy. Caliph is now in possession of the lost word, Chokmah, Christ, in his heart. If Turandot, in this case, the negative serpent or Kundabuffer organ, can tempt him, find out his name, his secret, make him fall through fornication, he will die at dawn. Dawn is a symbol of resurrection. For anyone who incarnates Christ now raises the serpent of light and afterward enters the second mountain, the work of the complete annihilation of the ego before the dawn of resurrection. Prince Caliph was an exile from his kingdom. He was lost. Lost the sacred word, his kingdom, his princehood. But he gains it again when he answers the three riddles in court. He incarnates Christ and becomes the Son of Man. He then asks Turno to guess his name, the lost word, because he's in possession of it. Before, Prince Caliph told his father, Timur, not to say his name because they were in danger. Now that the prince incarnated in the lost word, he continues to challenge love, Binah, through possessing Hashem, Yot Chava, the name. 
the sacred name of Tiferet in the world of Atilut is Eloah Vadat Yod He Vahe. This translates as goddess of knowledge, stressing the great relationship between the human soul and Binah and Chokmah, Yod Chava. The significance of Kalat's name in Da'at, the mysteries of alchemy, will be treated upon in the final act. Emperor Altum, El Tum, the being, is Osiris, Jupiter, father of the gods, emperor of the heavenly kingdom of China, lord of Mount Olympus, the mountain of initiation. With adulation for Caliph, Altum states, I hope that with the dawn I will be able to call you my son. What son? The Christ, the son of man who will rise from the dead and conquer death. As the prince and Turndo disperse, the chorus sings of the emperor's divine glories. The fact that we end this act with a chorus emphasizes the verb, the logos, the word. Christ has not only entered within Caliph, but the Lord is going to raise the serpents of light within the lower seven Sephiroth, represented by the multitudes of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas who sing with the sacred verb to celebrate the divine emperor. The opera will now move ahead to the works of Heracles, a symbol of Chokmah, the solar logos. As described by Sam Island Vior in the Three Mountains, Heracles performed 12 labors upon the mountain of resurrection, which we will see represented within Act 3. To learn more about the knowledge covered in this lecture, we invite you to study the books available through Glorian Publishing or GnosticTeachings.org. You can also view free online courses, lectures, transcriptions, and articles available at chicagonosis.org. All of this is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Have you benefited from this knowledge? Help others by making a tax-deductible donation at chicagonosis.org. We thank you for listening. We hope that these lectures aid you in developing your complete and divine potential. May all beings be happy. May all beings be joyful. May all beings be in peace.